Hello and welcome to BJGP Interviews. My name is June Lawson. In this episode, we speak to Professor Helen Snooks, who is a Professor of Health Services Research in the Medical School at Swansea University in Wales. And the paper is Implementing Emergency Admission Risk Prediction in General Practice, a Qualitative Study. Now, the UK policy over the recent years has actually incentivized the use of risk prediction stratification tools in primary care, and the hope is to reduce emergency hospital admissions. But there isn't actually a great deal of evidence about the process or the effect of this. Now, Professor Snooks was the chief investigator of Prismatic, which was a stepped wedge cluster randomised controlled trial, which looked at the PRISM risk stratification tool in Wales. I started by asking her to tell us a little bit more about that trial as it underpinned the qualitative findings that were then explored in this paper. Uh, We were successful in obtaining a grant from the National Institute for Health Research to evaluate introduction of a predictive risk stratification tool, PRISM tool, in one area of South Wales. And we carried out a randomised stepped wedge uh, trial design for that evaluation. Um, And we um, included both quantitative and qualitative methods to evaluate this software. Um, The PRISM tool is one example of um, a predictive risk stratification tool designed to identify people at high risk of emergency admission to hospital. In fact, it stratifies the entire general practice population. So everybody on the um, everybody registered to a GP gets a risk score. And then it puts those risk scores into strata um, in a, obviously it goes like that because there's many, many more people have low risk scores than people with high risk scores. Um, and then the idea is that enables at practice level Um, services and um, reviews and new initiatives to those at the very highest risk usually or possibly the next layer down to to help manage the um, rising emergency admissions to hospital to help reduce safely reduce those emergency admissions so that's what the prism tool is it's been widely introduced in across the uk especially scotland and england Um, And we can talk further about it. But in Wales, there's been a little bit of a different path, uh, actually due to the research that we've carried out. Um, We're now publishing our qualitative findings and keen to talk more to you about that. Yeah. Before we go on to those, you should just give us the very the key findings from your um, from your um, your trial. So the trial findings were very unexpected to us. We were, I suppose, imagining that there may be no effect or little effect Um, But actually, we found an effect in the opposite direction to the effect sought. Um, So, in fact, um, when the PRISM tool was introduced at random across a year period of a year um, to general practice across the Swansea area uh, and slightly beyond, um, actually, we found that emergency admissions, bed days in hospital, uh, emergency department attendances all actually increased associated with introduction of the tool, not by a large amount, but you only have to increase emergency admissions and bed days by two to three percent. And that's a tremendous impact on resource use and costs across that health board. Yeah, absolutely. So um, uh, funnily enough, the last trial I think we talked about here had a negative effect. And we were, we we're happy to have a, you know, that had an effect in the opposite direction. But we're very happy to have them. It's important. They're just as valuable as evidence. And this one particularly, I think, is quite revealing. It just demonstrates the importance of proper evaluations and proper trial data. 
So the qualitative evaluation goes into a little bit more depth to try to explain what's happened here. Um, and I perhaps won't get you to linger on the methodology. It'd be quite good to get onto what you found and what you think was going on with this, that why this PRISM tool, in fact, has resulted in, and in how people used it and um, how we think possibly it's resulted in an increase in all those various um, metrics used in terms of admissions and bed days and other, other, other markers. So this is what we um, wanted to find out from the qualitative work. Um, but we have, there are a lot of questions remaining um, because um, I think it, it's, I think in our qualitative work in, in this study with, through interviews with GPs and practice managers, um, we didn't find that they had a perception of, um, of the effect that we'd found in the quantitative work. So if anything, I think we found overall, there was very, there were very mixed views and experiences, um, but overall there was a sense of, um, the, um, that GP admissions, emergency admissions to hospital are fairly low anyway, and there's not very much room for change in that. Um, they also didn't feel really that they'd used the tool um, that much, that they really used it mostly to answer the um, quality and outcomes framework metrics, um, to tick that box rather than to really change practice. So um, there wasn't, we didn't pick up much, well, we didn't pick up any awareness, I think, really, that overall the effects would be as they were in the quantitative findings. So now we really um, need to understand that further. We need to understand the mechanisms. What we think, what we hypothesize at this stage is that maybe with the training and the focus on managing risk, maybe actually thresholds for admission to hospital changed. Um, as I say, this is a hypothesis. We don't have evidence for this, but we are seeking to carry out further work in this area um, across England and Wales um, so that um, we understand, again, were these effects more widespread or were they just in this one uh, local health economy? Uh, and what were the mechanisms that were um, driving the, the, any changes? Yeah. So 32 practices across South Wales, though. So quite, uh, although it was one area, that's quite a, it's a big substantial trial. But it's a really um, interesting little area that you, you, you touch on there. That in fact, actually, what might have happened with PRISM is that it, the way that practices were using it has resulted in them identifying people who are at higher risk. And in fact, perhaps to a degree... Um, the, the paper discusses this, and it's, uh, you may wish to comment on it, that, in fact, clinicians may have had more anxiety around those people, so therefore they had a lower threshold. You mentioned the threshold there for referring them in. Or they recognised that there was some unmet need, potentially, as well. What kind of things were the... You mentioned this in the paper, but what what kind of ways did practice put PRISM into action that might have actually um, provoked those kind of um, uh, consequences? Um, so practices all implemented the tool to actually produce a list of um, the, the patients on their registers or the people on their registers that were at the very top of that prism. Um, so that they either, and, and they were saying that we, we largely knew them anyway, um, but not always. Sometimes there were exceptions. Um, and then once, then they, different practices did different things then. Some practices held um, review meetings within the practice and across staff in order to discuss those cases and to come up with um, what might help to support that person to, to avoid emergency admission, to stay in the community. Um, and sometimes this involved home visits, sometimes this involved medication reviews. Um, and 
and and there was a very mixed reporting of whether actually that this added anything to what they were doing anyway or whether it was just reinforcing what they did anyway we seemed to get um it was interesting because people were saying things on the one hand that it changed individual practice they could think of people who they'd identified because of the tool and then admitted to hospital and then in the next breath almost saying they didn't think it had had any effect overall on their practice but i guess if you think back to that the um the margin for change it was one between 1 and 3% um increases in emergency admissions to hospital um so as a clinician whether you'd be aware of that change in your own practice i think that is why we're seeing almost a conflict of these findings um because um you wouldn't be expected to really notice that i think in your own practice but if everybody does that that that's a tremendous effect as i said across the health economy yeah i think you're right i think probably that the, the magnitude of the of the differences wouldn't be detectable at individual practice level by the time you added in all the complexities of individual patients i, I could see how clinicians wouldn't particularly spot that what were some of the real challenges with it, with challenges with this risk prediction tool or prism of I think it was highlighted in the paper of how to integrate it into practice systems? Not all tools are the same and not all um not all predictive risk stratification tools have been introduced in the same way across the country. Um and there may be other examples where they're much more integrated into existing software. But the tool that we evaluated and the implementation that we evaluated, it was quite separate from the um general software used for managing um patients and appointments. Um and so um that was definitely cited as a concern um in terms of usability of the software and of course GPs and practice staff are very uh, pressurized in in their workloads and anything that adds to that is going to be a little unpopular and and in fact won't be used as much as it could be so that was definitely cited yes yeah i think anything that adds friction is going to you're always going to is going to meet some challenges and people who are already running hither and thither to a significant degree at the moment what do you think the main implications here are for sort of policy and practice so well i can tell you what's happened in wales already which is not in the paper but um we were working with the welsh government in wales um to evaluate their chronic condition management policy and that's how this study arose so from when we first and at that point a national rollout of prism was planned in wales but because we were managed to get the um funding to do the trial in wales and we're working with welsh government already they immediately advised health boards to halt the rollout of predictive risk stratification pending results of the trial um so there was um there had been um some implementation and it's it's it was halted because of the trial and then at the end of the trial when we found the perverse the unintended effects um there was advice from central government to not go forward and implementation was not um uh, backed as supported in wales however um we were obviously we weren't working so closely with the uh, other governments in the UK and in England particularly and Scotland the rollout of predictive risk stratification software was well underway and supported through various policy initiatives uh, over that period um so um so we found that we've already found that our study has had an impact in Wales where implementation has halted compared to um England and Scotland and Northern Ireland where it's rolled ahead and we previously published in BJGP on this topic 
um, showing that implementation across the UK is something like 80% of general practices have access to um, predictive risk stratification software. But in Wales, it's, it's I think, 15% around that figure. So now we need to know what well, what are we saying going forward? What are, what are, what are people supposed to do? Because if the, if the software is already in place, are we saying to stop using it? And, and I don't think the truth is we're not entirely clear because were these effects more widespread than the area we looked at? So we're now um, applying to do further research from the NIHR again, from the same funding body, the Health Services and Delivery Research Programme, to investigate um, whether these effects were more widespread, were they repeated in England with the introduction of the software over the last well, eight years or so? Uh, and crucially, what are the mechanisms? And do the thresholds for admitting people go down as you, um, in, as you implement the tool? Also, what we're adding into that is an element about and what do patients want? Do, do patients want to know? Um, are patients happy about these these tools being used and uh, and do they want to know what their scores are and what effects might that have on them so we're hoping to get that funded and start that research next year fingers crossed um, I think it's a really brilliant study and I think it's just as you mentioned in the implications for practice section it just of the paper it just highlights how we're just putting measures in place and we don't really know the impact and there's an assumption around this risk prediction that it is apple pie motherhood it's a good thing it can't possibly do any harm and the simple fact is we don't know and of course as you suggest we have to be careful about your one your study um, as well run as it was and about how generalizable it is to all parts of the UK and to other healthcare systems other and there is enough variety in the UK for that to be but it um, to be you know uh, to be arguable um, and we have to be one has to be very careful but it does demonstrate doesn't it just really quite well just how you know stuff that we take as being a good thing and we just don't know and the the, the importance of this kind of high quality evaluation Absolutely, you pick on a really important point there, which is this is not a this is not an exception in some ways to um, this rule of implementing first and then evaluating afterwards. But in this case, and I think in many cases, there's, there's this assumption that's made that most of the research about predictive risk stratification tools has been about how accurate they are. Do they identify the right people? And that continues to this day, a sort of obsession with are they identifying the right people, forgetting that it's pragmatic research that we need to find out, well, what happens when the tool is implemented? It's one thing to identify the right people, but it's, there's an assumption there. If you can identify them, then you can change their outcome in the, in the, um, in the way that's sought, i.e. to reduce their chance of emergency admission. But there's a big gap there um, in the sort of logic or the rationale because we simply don't know that bit. Um, so that's where we feel the research is really required. Yeah, no, absolutely. Really bad. And it's even more than that, isn't it? Because it's not just whether they have an emergency admission, it's whether that admission then actually improves their long-term morbidity and mortality in particular. Because it might well be that being admitted is a good thing, but it could be being admitted is a bad thing as well, depending on the circumstances. So there's, we, you know, it's the difficulty of proxy measures, I suppose, in terms of hard clinical endpoints. Sure, but in the prismatic trial, we did... Um, um, send out questionnaires and, and gather quality of life data as well. It was not on the same scale. Um, the reason that we could do that scale of, well, there were 230,000 people involved in the prismatic trial, which is for a clinical trial, it's registered as a clinical trial. That's really an enormous trial. 
32, um, 230,000 people across 32 general practices. The reason we could do that was because we were using linked routine anonymized data to do that. But we also sent out questionnaires to, I can't remember exactly, 2,000 people-ish um, and, and gained their quality of life scores. And we couldn't see a discernible impact on quality of life. So we were seeing these effects without really evidence of any benefits. Yeah. Okay, excellent. Listen, I, w- I should ask you, we've covered a lot of ground there, but any fi- a final summary of the key findings from this study for us? Yeah, so our qualitative findings from GPs and practice managers have um, shown that they had very mixed views and experiences related to use of predictive risk stratification, which is intended to reduce emergency missions to hospital. With our quantitative trial findings showing that actually there were increases in emergency admissions and health services utilisation associated with introduction of the tool. We now really need to understand urgently what are the mechanisms, what's going on here, what are the mechanisms um, for the changes that are seen and were the findings for the prismatic trial um, generalisable and reproducible in other settings in the UK. Professor Snooks, that has been really wonderful. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you very much for listening to this BJGP podcast. The original research papers and articles can be found at bjgp.org. The show notes and podcast audio can be found at bjgplife.com. Do share if you've enjoyed it. Subscribe via all the usual places, including Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or your podcaster of choice. Thanks again.